Mental health and well-being is a vital, important aspect of being a human being. However, how does it play a part in leadership's ability to make decisions and carry out everyday functions? Let's talk about it. But what led me into it was actually during my time in clinical medicine. And I was empowering people and their health and well-being. I was um, coaching them already in like, you know, food and, and stress management and lifestyle to have them have the most holistic, alive experience. And what I came across was the fact that I was coaching and I was doing a good job, but but there are all there's always like that those belief systems that get in our way. Greetings, leaders, and welcome to another episode of Leadership is Podcast Season 3, Episode 21, with our special guest, Dr. Maisha Claiborne. Uh, Dr. Claiborne is an integrative physician, master coach, and trainer of neurolinguistic programming, hypnosis, and timeline therapy, and founder of the Mind Remapping Company. She helps individuals achieve mindset and communication mastery by teaching them how to eliminate negative thinking, faulty beliefs, and ineffective behaviors so they can put themselves in the driver's seat of truly creating a life they design. Hey, thank you, uh, Dr. Claiborne. Welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be back on um, your podcast and please call me Dr. Maisha. No, <laughs> Dr. Claire, one is so formal. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Understood. Understood, Dr. Maisha. Well, so it, besides what I have read there, um, you know, if you can let our audience know more of uh, who you are and what you do. Well, yes, absolutely. So as a, uh, actually, I have a couple of different arms of, of what I do. So I, I actually train and certify people in the discipline of NLP or neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and timeline therapy. And we can delve into that, you know, in, in a moment, a little bit later, like for people who don't know what NLP is. And then on the corporate side, I do educational consulting um, and I teach trauma-informed communication uh, to leaders and educators uh, in order to help them to be able to improve their leadership and uh, to be able to really effectively communicate and get the results that they want as leaders in the space. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things we did not uh, talk about or didn't mention is you were recently a uh, TEDx Asheville speaker. You know? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> how could I how could I not mention that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what was that process like? And what has, you know, happened to you as it relates to the limelight or uh, becoming uh, uh, infamous, you know, if you will, uh, after that? You know, what, what has happened for you? Well, it was an amazing growth process. I'll tell you that much. And um, what happens after being on the TEDx stage is that you really have to intentionally become clear, um, you know, you, during the TEDx process, you become very clear about what your mission is, what you're, what you stand for. And then after that, you have to make that 
congruent with everything that you're saying and you're putting out there. So it, it created a growth process for me even after the fact. And I think that, you know, being a TEDx speaker gives you instant street cred. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, say it because, <laughs> you know, I, I was definitely speaking before and I, I definitely had paid speaking gigs before, but now just when I say, when I have TEDx speaker on my CV or when I, when I, put my TEDx stuff out there, it's like, there's an instant, oh, yes, we're going to pay the fee that you want, <laughs> you know, yeah. as opposed to, oh, that fee is a little high. It's like, what's well, compared to what, a TEDx speaker? Well, now I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. That has, that has to be um, such a, such an awesome, awesome uh, feeling, you know, to say that you're a TEDx uh, speaker and of course already talented in your own right outside of having that title but now you know that that's inclusive it's just you know it's awesome to to, to see so uh or to hear about so if you can go back to you know you you, br you brought something up you know very important what what is nlp like how does that work like you know where does that come from Absolutely. So uh, NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And if we were to break it down, neuro means the neurological connection to the nervous system relating to the brain. Um, linguistic is, is language. Is, that's how we use our language. And then programming are the programs that we run inside of our heads. So Neuro Linguistic Programming is how we use language to influence the, the, the already programs, shift and make new and better programs that we run inside of ourselves and our head to create the best outcomes, right? And how we use that language or the language that we use, it actually affects our brain. It affects the way we think, it affects the nervous system that connects with the body. So there's people who are listening may have heard of this thing called the mind-body connection. It's that our brain influences our body and it influences our, our actions. And so neuro-linguistic programming puts us at, the, it's a series of, of uh, techniques and tools and language patterns that help us to empower ourselves so that we can be our best selves and produce the kind of results we want in our relationships, in our businesses, in our careers, our work with our colleagues, um, with our children. I'm a mom, so of course I have to include that as well um, in our lives. Mm. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent. So, what got you into this, uh, into this field, you know, of, of, of science or or medicine? You know, what what got you into this this therapy? Well, it's interesting because you know people always ask, well, how do I, I I no longer practice in in clinical medicine. I stepped away from that to do this work. And people often ask, well, why would you give up being a doctor? Well, the first thing is I never gave up being a doctor. I just gave up the practice of it, right? But hmm. what led me into it was actually during my time in clinical medicine. And I was empowering people and their health and well-being. I was um, coaching them already in like, you know, food and, and stress management and lifestyle to have them have the most holistic alive experience. And what I came across was the fact that I was coaching and I was doing a good job, but, but there are all, there's always like that, those belief systems that get in our way. And so I came across neurolinguistic programming because I had some colleagues that practiced it and a, another colleague that was a hypnotherapist. 
and we, you know, we hung out together and, and, and uh, bartered services and I got to experience it. And I thought, you know what, this, this, because it helps get to the root of limiting beliefs and the root of where our emotions keep us stuck, this would be like the missing link to what I'm doing in my practice. So initially I integrated this into my private practice with my patients and got some amazing results, like super amazing results. So when I decided to step away from clinical medicine to do more coaching with doctors and physicians initially, and then of course now corporate leaders, um, it, it was sort of the natural thing to take this with me. And eventually I became a trainer because you know I can do the work one-on-one -on -one with people, but it's the difference between uh, giving a person a fish and teaching a person a fish that gives, that brings that longevity of behavior change. So I decided to teach this work because I feel like that would be actually teaching leaders or doctors or you know whoever wants to actually do this work in their own um, careers and context, teaching them to fish. And that allows me to make a bigger and a deeper impact. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What has been some of your challenges with this and how did you uh, you know, overcome them uh, outside of using, you know, your own teaching <laughs> to help you uh, with that process. But, you know, what has been some of your challenges? It's so funny because um, I'm literally writing an article on this right now, dispelling the myths, dispelling the myths of hypnosis and of neurolinguistic programming. And, you know, people only know a what they see on TV or what they hear about someone who hasn't actually experienced these disciplines. And so a lot of the, um, the initial obstacle is the education, is, is sharing with them like this is what this is and this is how it helps people and also dispelling some of the myths. For example, in hypnosis, anyone who's ever seen the movie Get Out like I tell you, one of the first things I say is there is no sunken place and we don't do the teacup thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, as you was talking, I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. That is the first thing people's mind goes to. Here's the second one. Uh, I don't make people bark like dogs or cluck like chickens or do weird, crazy things right? That's stage hypnosis. So I have to distinguish these things for people and then they can relax. And then I, and then I can tell them what it is like, okay, this is what we actually do. Now stage hypnosis is a thing, but it's for a particular purpose. And those, and the stage hypnotists are well-trained to protect their audience. But the people who go up on stage and do that are people who would probably do it anyway, given a couple of drinks, right? And so, <laughs> so this, these are the types of things that I have to you know, na navigate. And then for NLP, it's something different. It's always, oh, I've heard NLP is not a science. Well, actually it, it, it's based completely in evidence and science. It takes a, a collection of scientific tools from different di disciplines, neuroscience, linguistic science, that's the science of language, psychology, behavioral psychology, and, uh, you know, a, a host of other things. And it takes those um, scientific background and brings a how to into it, how to apply it in our lives every day. See, Jason, there's a lot of science out there. There's a lot of studies out there. There's a lot of philosophizing out there. And it's great to have knowledge and it's great to have insight. But if you don't know how to apply that knowledge in your daily life, 
then that that science and all that stuff, it doesn't mean a thing. So what neurolinguistic programming has done is taking things that have been studied in science and saying, how do we actually utilize this in our own neurology, in our own nervous system, in our own communication every single day to make the changes that we can make? And that is the long and the short of why this works. Hmm. So, okay, I got a couple of <laughs> more questions for you, I think. So <laughs> the first one is, uh, as it relates to hypnosis, is there a way to hypnotize a person to forget a pain without forgetting the incident that caused the pain? So the, there's a, I'm, I'm going to answer your question in a particular way. Okay. There is a, one thing that we do, and we do this, there's a, there's a tool and a technique we use in, in NLP called timeline therapy. And also you can do this with hypnosis. I'm going to reframe you and say, um, to release a pain without forgetting the incident. So yes, indeed. Uh, what we do in our work is help people to release negative emotions or b negative belief patterns, negative thinking patterns that lead to that internal emotional pain. Um, and yes, we're not trying to bury memories. We don't, we don't do that. Well, I, I don't do that. I, I don't know if there's other hypnotherapists that do that, but I certainly don't. Um, but w I think it's more powerful to have to recontextualize an incident or a memory so it's such that the, the pain around it can be released. So the, the short answer to the question is yes, but I want to reframe and say we don't have them forget the pain. We have them release the pain because there's a difference, right? You forget, you, you can remember again. But if you yeah. release it, it's gone from the neurology. I see. That's yeah. Thank you for putting that in perspective. Good. So yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, the second question is, as we're dealing with uh, leadership and leadership development, and we're talking about mental strength and well-being, you know, how important is this? Uh, how do you approach uh, leaders, you know, to get them to, to, to see the importance of, of the work that you do to help them? to help us as leaders, you know, to continue to develop, to continue to function uh, in the ever-changing world that we're in today? Yeah, such a wonderful question. Um, there's two ways that I approach leaders. Number one is, is I, you know, I appeal to this aspect of how you communicate um, and, and how do you communicate in a way that has your, uh, your cohorts or the people that you're leading, your direct reports, actually feel heard and want to be and be excited to follow be excited to to be um, under your leadership right so that's the communication aspect but then a lot of times in leaders there are their own thoughts and their own beliefs about themselves that can get in the way we, we, we you, you've heard of i'm sure this whole thing that people call imposter syndrome which I like to call imposter experience because it doesn't pathologize, <laughs> you know, as a syndrome. Mm. It's an experience of not feeling like, you know, thinking you're going to be found out, right? So it's an experience, not a syndrome. But, you know, these a lot of times um, a leader's own thoughts, own past experience, own negative emotions can get in the way of them showing up as their best leader self. And so we wanna deal with that aspect of it. 
And then we want to teach them the tools to be able to effectively communicate with their teams and with the people in their lives so that now they've they wipe the slate clean, they have a compelling future, and now they can actually communicate their vision to the people in an effective way and have their people feel taken care of, heard, and um, respected. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yes. Uh, I, I, yeah, because I, I, you know, I deal with a lot of leadership uh, perspectives, and I think that um, in fact, you know, one of the trends that's happening in leadership uh, is, is really uh, well-being and how mm-hmm. they could attract more top talent by, you know, offering uh, well-being benefits uh, as, you know, uh, in, in, uh, instead of, you know, these high uh, trying to, you know, pay them off, in other words, to come yeah. and work. But if you offer them well-being packages, and I think that uh, that would make more sense to a leader if they truly understood the relevance and the power of well-being and, you know, mental health. And so, uh, so. Well, can I say something about that? Absolutely. You can. You know, I think what, like, just really piggybacking on that, I think you're right. Like they, when, when leaders understand the value of mental health, Um, they can create a whole culture around that, right? So beyond the mental health package or the well-being package, if you create a culture of well-being, if you create a culture where people feel included and, and feel like they belong in the culture and you create a culture that's healthy, then you, you don't actually have to pay them off with a well-being package because you're incorporating that into the daily culture. So when leaders can really get rid of their own stuff, then they can cultivate a culture that actually speaks to well-being, speaks to inclusion, speaks to diversity, speaks to equity, speaks to belonging, right? And that's a culture that people want to be in and they will, you know, have to be paying, they don't have to be paying people off to be in the culture because that's, that's a desirable, you know, a desirable place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yep. See, and that's good. That's good. So, yeah, I think education is definitely uh, is definitely the key uh, to this. Um, so uh, one, maybe two more questions here. The, the, the next question is, as it relates to the uh, African-American community. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Why is there such a I don't I don't know if uh, stigma would be the word, but why is there such a uh, shy away from the conversation of mental health and, and therapy and well-being in, in, in our community? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, I think we have been penalized in the past, you know, under uh, dominant culture, let's say, under the do- uh, this dominant culture, um, we've been penalized for even having emotions. We've had to show up like, you know, never let them see you sweat. We've had to show up like, you know, if there's anything other than like our, our best and our highest, our 200% self, then uh, we are not good enough. So that's one thing. And I think, and I think that for so long, because historically, you know, we were, we were, we, we were enslaved people for a long time. And then we were, then there was of course, the the whole uh, mo- movement that happened after that, like you know, civil rights, and we, we don't ha- we didn't have time to feel things, 
right? We're just survival mode. And so feeling things led to people dying back then, right? Even mm. I'm going to go as far as to say back in, I don't know if you know this, but um, back in the time, back in, um, you know, the times where uh, people, we were, we were enslaved. If a slave ran away, you know, which, which is a rational thing to do, they were diagnosed with something called dreptomania, mm. which is, is, it was a condition of, well, a slave running away. It's supposed to be, a, it was a, like a, it was deemed as a psychiatric condition. <laughs> it's like wow. total, no basis, right? Wow. No basis. And so, I mean, like when you think of things like that happening, um, you can begin to see why the stigma appears like, oh, well, you can, you know, you have to, you have to keep your face on and not feel anything. You have to stay strong. Like all of these types of conversations got developed inside of this, this um, dominant culture and this historical, you know, how we've been, how we've been sort of treated over the years. And it's just been passed down from generation to generation. And now this is no longer useful for us, right? When we, we can begin to step out of survival um, and into the conversation of how we thrive, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Together. Yeah, excellent perspective, uh, Doc. Thank you, thank you for that. It reminds me of something that I heard once of how, you know, they were talking about how some of our, uh, back in those days, um, uh, ours, you know, we would not uh, compliment, you know, black mothers would not compliment uh, their children uh, mm -hmm. in the presence of, you know, their slave owners because they thought that if they put too much attention on their talent and uh, strengths that they might, you know, sell them off, you know what I mean, uh, to, to other, because if he has that much talent, I can make money from this kind of talent, this kind of stardom. So yeah, that that whole thing there. I, yeah, I, I got it. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And it's interesting that you say, you know, that you say, you know, that 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 you brought that perspective of um, parents wouldn't compliment their children in uh, in front of the, um, the, you know, the slave owners because, you know, they didn't want to draw too much attention. And if you think about like that becoming a habit, a generational habit, yeah. it's, you know, now we see why there is not a lot of compliments that come in our culture uh, from parent to child. And it's just now starting to, we're just now starting to, you know, break that cycle. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot, Doc. I, we, I mean, we got to have a part two to just this <laughs> conversation. Absolutely. You know, I mean, this is very, very helpful. And if you can let our audience know what your podcast is and how they could, you know, listen to your podcast, because, you know, I'm quite sure that I've heard, you know, like several of your your episodes and you deal with a lot of this, you know, uh, on your podcast. So if you can let our audience know that. Absolutely. Uh, my podcast is called The Black Mind Garden, and it's on wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Very good. Very good. All right. So if people wanted to get involved in, you know, the work uh, or get your services and contact you, how could they do so? 
Sure, it's um, the website to go to is mindremappingacademy.com. That's mind, M-I-N-D, remapping, R-E-M-A-P-P-I-N-G, academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y, and that's all together, dot com, mindremappingacademy.com. And you can follow me on social media. I'm on pretty much everything. I'm most active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And it's and uh, and I also have a YouTube channel. And it's backslash Dr. Maisha. Backslash Dr. Maisha for all of the platforms. Very good. Well, Dr. Maisha, it's definitely been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the uh, Leadership Is podcast. And just know that this door is always open for you. Thank you so much. I think we need to do also a crossover episode. I need to have you on the Black Mind Garden. I haven't done a guest podcast in a while, but it's time. It's time. So I'll be I'll be reaching out for that. Yeah, I would be honored to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. It is, it's always a pleasure having these conversations with you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Hey, thank you for enjoying another episode of Leadership Is Podcast Season 3, Episode 21 with my special guest, Dr. Maisha Claiborne. She gave us some very helpful, helpful information as it relates to wellness and mental health. Uh, if you would like to know more about what JM Leadership Development does as it relates to helping your organization to fill or build your leadership bench, please do not hesitate to reach out. 828-333-7234 or you can give us an email at the Jason A. Muhammad at gmail.com and always remember leadership is influence and service.